Why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Valuetainment, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm Patrick Bedev, your host of ITM, and today I'm sitting down with somebody who calls himself a conspiracy journalist. Many call him a conspiracy theorist. Let's just say he believes in some things that are made out of movies, but he tells it in a way that's very convincing. I'd be curious to know what you think about this. It's the one and only David Icke. David, thank you for being a guest on Valuetainment. Real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a conspiracy researcher, a conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theory were actually brought into widespread use in the modern world by the CIA. In uh, 1967, they put out a, a document, you can still find it on the internet, to the mainstream media in America, urging them to refer to those that were uh, questioning the Kennedy assassination official story, to refer to them as conspiracy theorists, uh, basically propagating a conspiracy theory. And all these years later, you have the mainstream media all over the world coming out with this conspiracy theorist, it's just a conspiracy theory, with not a clue that the CIA was responsible for putting that into widespread use, just a form of discrediting people. See, when you think about it, if you look at the dictionary definition of a conspiracy, and you will well know with your background, there are laws um, against conspiracy. So if they don't exist, well, why have laws against them? But if you um, look at the dictionary definition of uh, conspiracy, it's just two or more people conspiring to bring about a particular end, often illegal. And on that basis, we're drowning in conspiracies. But I'm not um, seeing conspiracies everywhere. This is the point. I'm seeing one conspiracy with infinite numbers of masks of that same conspiracy. And so um, one of the things that I'm called is a dot connector, because that's what I do. I connect dots, which on the surface don't appear to connect, but if you go into uh, deeper into the, the shadows, if you like, deeper into the web, they all connect. And uh, I'm sure we'll get around that uh, to that today. So, you know, before we get into that, I have a little bit more. Uh, I want to know you a little bit more, if you don't mind. I want to know okay. more about who David Icke was in high school. If you and I were in high school together, you're 15 years old, 16 years old. We're friends. We're classmates. We play sports. I'm sure we'd have gotten very well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who was David Icke? Who was David Icke in high school? Well, um, I was um, born in a place called Leicester in the English uh, Midlands in what we call in Britain a working class background, uh, which is just basically another way of saying we had no money. <laughs> um, and in my uh, early years, uh, I just wanted to be a professional soccer player. That was my focus throughout my, my childhood. And as a series of... Um, you know, strange coincidences, which have been the story of my life, uh, they unfolded. I became a professional footballer. Uh, but then at 21, uh, I finished with rheumatoid arthritis, very rare at that age. And one of the other things that I'd loved and been, been passionate about in my childhood was journalism. Uh, and I used to read papers uh, vociferously, even as a kid. So I left football and became a journalist. Started on newspapers, then went into radio, and then I became a national uh, TV uh, presenter, news and sport, mostly sport in the end, 
with the BBC. And then um, I, uh, another series of amazing coincidences, you know, I won't go into it now. I ended up as a national speaker or national, quote, leader of the uh, British Green Party for a short time until I had a series of uh, extraordinary, if you like, paranormal experiences which put me on um, the journey that I'm still on. This was 30 years ago. And what started to happen in my life uh, in, in the most extraordinary way, and it's still going on, is that purely by the, the if you like, the synchronicity of life, um, I was um, coming across more and more layers and layers and layers and layers of information. This is from about 1991, that the, the world was not run by the forces that we thought it was run by. And I started to put together through the books um, uh, more and more information, dot-connected information about who did run uh, the world and to what, uh, to what end, to what outcome, to what end game. And for a long time, of course, people say, oh, yeah, rubbish, mate. But as the years have passed, more and more that's been in my books uh, back in the 1990s, is being read on the television news, never more so than current events, by the way. Uh, and so more and more people have gone, hold on a minute, this bloke said this would happen, this bloke said that would happen. And my books are packed with um, things that have been proved correct. Now, why is that? Not because I've sat in a darkened room pulling it from the ether, but be because there is a, an agenda for the world run by what I call uh, the cult, uh, which operates in every country, just has no borders. And if you can uncover this projected agenda for the world, you can predict the future if nothing intervenes to stop the agenda unfolding. And that's, that's what, what has been happening. Or, uh, you know, I've been predicting the future and it's turned out to be correct, but only because I've uncovered the projected agenda agenda and nothing yet has intervened to stop it now if you go further back because this is a long projected agenda for reasons we could maybe get into you go back to Aldous Huxley with Brave New World published in 1932 why was he so incredibly accurate about current events why was George Orwell in 1948 with his 1984 so unbelievably accurate um, with current events why is a guy that I've um, quoted in my books uh, a number of times, a guy called Dr. Richard Day, a big Rockefeller family insider. Um, he spoke to uh, a, a meeting of pediatricians in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1969 and shocked them by saying, turn off recording equipment, don't take notes, because I'm going to tell you how the world's going to change. And no one knows why he did it. I'm glad he did because of the information that he's um, allowed me to have access to. But what he said in 1969, which is only 20 years after Orwell's 1984, is absolutely extraordinary, not just in theme, but in detail. This guy said in 1969, he described the Internet, uh, which was supposedly uh, created in the 80s. He said that one of the plans is we're going to make boys and girls the same that we um, are going to inoculate people with diseases and so on and so forth. And, and uh, how, um, and this is just totally in line with the research I've got from all over uh, the world. I've been to 60 countries researching this. Uh, he said, um, we're going to take over um, with a world government dictating to the whole planet. And 
the idea um, that and, and what current events are leading us to uh, it's so fast is what's been in my books for decades what I call the Hunger Games Society. This is the outcome that they want. And once you know the outcome, you can see the journey. Know the outcome, you'll see the journey. Don't know the outcome. These events that become clear when you know the outcome are just random and bewildering and what's happening. So uh, it's to create what I call the Hunger Games Society, where you have, um, if you think of a pyramid, at the top of the pyramid, you've got a tiny few people, which we now have a name for, the 1%. And if you look at how um, a handful of people now have the same wealth as the poorest half of the population, you can see the 1% ain't kidding. At the bottom, and this has been in my books for decades, by the way, never mind current events. At the bottom of this pyramid is pretty much the rest of humanity in deprivation, and this is the word, in dependency on the 1% because they don't have independent income. Amazing, I'm saying this in current events, this has been in my books for, for a long, long time. And between the 1% and the rest of the population, pretty much, um, is designed to be, um, again, as I've been saying for decades, uh, a vicious uh, police military state to impose the will of the 1% upon the population and to stop the population re rebelling against the 1%. And uh, just to finish the point, this pyramid structure the hunger game society again has been saying it for so long is designed to be run not by elected politicians but by technocrats it's called a technocracy which is defined as a society run by bureaucrats experts engineers scientists and not elected uh people silicon valley getting more and more control of world events uh, witness Bill Gates in relation to current events is all part of this technocracy unfolding and key to it is that this society is run by artificial intelligence and you've got people like Ray Kurzweil another technocrat a executive of Google who has openly said that um, around the year 2030 a, a year that comes up it, from in so many different directions, in so many different uh, areas of subject, that by 2030, humans will start to be have their brains connected to AI. And in his, um, in his own words, and I'm summarizing, um, as um, once that connection's made, more and more thinking will be done by AI until human thinking as we currently know it is basically negligible. Now, if you look at that, mate, and then you look at the consequences of current events, then you can see that that Hunger Games society is vastly closer now than it was only weeks ago when this whole virus hysteria began. David, uh, I, I want to go to that part uh, uh, and spend majority of time talking about that. A couple of things I do want to do is obviously I... Uh, 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 spoke to my attorneys. My attorneys uh, recommended I not do this interview for obvious reasons. And uh, uh, attorneys are there to say no, especially uh, media attorneys, in my experience. Oh, you don't need to tell me that. I mean, I, I've had plenty of feuds with attorneys, and plenty of times I wasted money with attorneys. I wish if you can listen to the conversations I've had with attorneys, that could be a whole episode by itself. But uh, to manage expectations, 
I listen to your stuff and the way I work with a lot of theories or conspiracies or any of that stuff or somebody that grew up in Iran and the revolution, I'm a revolution baby. And they didn't want to talk about the influence of Jimmy Carter with the Iran Kissinger. I don't need to go into the whole thing. You kind of have the history of what happened to Iran and CIA 30 years later comes out with Argo and says, yes, this was kind of taking place. Here's kind of what was going on. And they used the movie to tell us the story. So I'm not the one that says there isn't some weight behind what's being said, but I'm also not the one that says hundred percent. Oh my gosh, just makes sense. I watch a video. I'm good. I'm the one that wants to go do research. So okay. to manage expectation, I want to, I want to share with everybody, what are some things you've said in the past? And then what are some things we're going to talk about here today? And I'd like to ask you about some conspiracies. And then we go into 5G coronavirus and we can, we can talk about that as well. Okay for the majority part of this entire thing. All right. Now, you know, you've said a lot of things that have come true and you've said some things that haven't come true. For example, this is what you said that did come true. You said in January 1999, between 2000 and 2002, the United States will suffer a major attack on a large city. 9-11 happened. You said that, it happened. That, uh, that gives some credibility to say, how could somebody like you get something like that right? Now, at the same time, you said the world will end in 1997. Uh, at, and by the way, you can correct me and go through all of these. Also, you said on a show with Terry Wogan back on April 29, 1991, which, by the way, I believe that's also your birthday, April 29. I don't know if you knew that was the day of your birthday. No, I, didn't, I didn't actually, no. You were on him on April 29. was your birthday. That was the day it aired, by the way, FYI. And, and he had you there. You had your turquoise outfit. I kind of like your second outfit more with the all black when you were there on 2006, I believe. All right. Uh, but uh, you said the, the, the challenge started off with you're the son of God and the world will be ending that year. You were 38 years old at that time. And I've, I've made some comments myself and I've evolved and I've changed and I've you know, got a lot more things that I uh, have improved in my views. You've also talked heavily about the, I'm a Syrian, so Babylonian and Assyrian, they're very close to each other. And so you've also talked about the reptilian, you know, leaders uh, in the world, whether it's the Clintons, whether it's the Obamas, whether it's all that other stuff. And there's 12 million people that believe in that theory. So you're not alone in that one. There's 4% of America that believes in that. So to, to, to put all thing, everything here, we also have to know that in the past, you've said some stuff that has thrown people off and some stuff that have not become a reality. I just want to make sure the viewer knows right. that. Okay. Okay. Well, let me, let me talk about that. What you're talking about is um, uh, pre-1992 uh, and since. And uh, since 1992, um, my books have been phenomenally accurate. This is why vast numbers of people are looking at my stuff now. Uh, because I've been so accurate year on year on year with, with, with events. But of course, what I've been uncovering is the same uh, conspiracy, the same agenda that Aldous Huxley was talking about and, and Orwell was talking about. Same thing. I'm just a, a, a modern day version of uncovering it and uncovering it on a, on a greater scale. So let's go back before 1992. And, and let's just very quickly... Um, uh, look at what happened to me and why all that Wogan stuff happened. I um, was a journalist with the BBC. I was uh, a national spokesman for the British Green Party. And then during 1989, I had um, a, a, a gathering strange experience happen to me. I'm working for the BBC. I'm uh, a national spokesman for the Green Party. 
but when I was in a room alone, it felt like I wasn't alone, like there was like a presence there, something I'd not experienced before. And through 1989, this presence got stronger and stronger and stronger until um, I sat on, um, on, on a bed in an empty hotel room in um, early 1990, actually March 1990. And I said out into the room, if there's something there, would you please contact me? Because you're driving me up the bloody wall. And a few days later, I was, um, I was in a, a news shop, sells newspapers and gifts and tourist stuff. And um, I, long story short, I felt uh, myself, um, it was, it was uh, what, what I, I know it was now is I was surrounded by an electromagnetic field and it, it felt really strange. It felt like uh, my feet were uh, being pulled magnetically to the ground. And what passed through my mind, it wasn't a voice, it was a very strong thought. It said, go and look at the books on the far side. Now, I knew this new shop, and I knew that the books were all romantic novels, not my scene, you know, sell them to the tourists. I live at the seaside place. So I walk over, bewildered, thinking, what the hell is going on? And I saw a book in among the novels, and it was a book called Mind to Mind by a lady called Betty Shine. And I was attracted to it because it was different to the others and I turned it over and in the blurb I saw that this was a um, a, a, a book um, almost a, a, a biography by a professional psychic in England which I had never heard of at the time called Betty Shine so very quickly I read the blurb and I thought I wonder if she got into a psychic before in my life wonder if she would be able to pick up what I'm feeling around me for the last year so I went to see her and I, you know, my football career had finished with arthritis. And I, 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 what I told her was, because she did the hands-on healing, which is just an exchange of energy. Um, I told her, you know, maybe your hands-on healing will help. But I didn't tell her anything else because I didn't want to, uh, you know, put anything into her mind. And I went there and uh, I'm sitting on the bench. Uh, and she's hands-on healing me, me left knee. And I felt like a spider's web on my face. Just like, uh, you know, again, what I know now, it was an electromagnetic field. Uh, and made my face tingle. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time. I was, it was all new to me. And I sat there, felt this on my face, and I thought, that's what she said in her book, that when other levels of reality are trying to lock into you, you sometimes feel like the spider's web on your face. Said nothing to her. 10 or 15 seconds later, she launches her head back and says, my God, this is powerful. I'm going to have to close my eyes for this one. And she then starts to tell me, I'm, a, I'm just a bloke, I work for the BBC, mate. I'm just sitting there. And she starts telling me she's seeing a figure in her mind, and this, this figure is, wants to communicate with me. And she said, He's, this, this figure is saying, you're going to go out on a world stage and reveal great secrets. You're going to be world famous. One man cannot communicate, uh, cannot, uh, um, uh, one man cannot uh, basically save the world. Uh, but one man, uh, or change the world, but one man can communicate the message that can change the world. That was one of the things that came out. And I'm sitting there thinking, what? And that I was going to be led to knowledge, and at other times, knowledge would be put directly in my mind. So I'm thinking, all right, yeah, okay. So I, I leave, and my life immediately became this extraordinary 
um, synchronistic journey of people, documents, books, personal experiences that were giving me puzzle pieces almost in the order that was easiest to see how they fitted. And this has gone on now for 30 years. Now, coming around to that whole Wogan thing, uh, in this uh, period, I had this overwhelming uh, desire out of nowhere to go to Peru. What? I've seen Peru play the Football World Cup a few times, but Peru? Well, well, what are you feeling to go to Peru for? Anyway, I go purely on instinct, purely on intuition. Amazing things happen, which I cover in my books. But anyway, I end up at a place called Siustani, which is an Inca site. Um, just, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes drive from uh, Puno uh, on Lake Titicaca, the highest navigable lake in the world, they say. And the reason I went to, um, to Siustani it's because um, a, a Peruvian guide who was going around Peru with me, um, he booked us into this hotel in Puno called the Siu Stani. There's pictures of this place all over the bloody hotel. And, and when I was looking at these pictures, something was saying, go, you must go, you must go. So I organized a, 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 a taxi bus to go the next day. And it was a beautiful place. Um, uh, with all Inca, we'll say they say Inca, it's probably um, older. Uh, uh, sites all on the hill and I walked around for about an hour and it was lovely but there was what I the, the urge I felt to go there was not matched by the experience so I get back in the taxi taxi bus thing with the driver and the guide and we start driving back and um, no more than three or four minutes down the road I'm, I'm kind of daydreaming out of the vehicle you know and I was looking at this hill and I'm looking, as I'm looking at it, all I can hear in my mind is, come to me, come to me, come to me. And I'm like, Ike, Ike, you lost it, son. That, that, that hill's talking to you. <laughs> what? So anyway, I just said to the people, can you stop the, stop, stop the vehicle? I'm going up that hill. So I walk up, not knowing what the heck is going on. And um, I, I get up to the top, but there's, there's these kind of stones there. Uh, and I... I walked into the center of a group of them and I'm standing on this hill in Peru under a piercing cloudless sky, a piercing sun. I had a big red nose to prove it. So I walk into these, uh, this, these this area of stones and um, suddenly it was exactly what happened. Although, you know, a hundred percent more, that happened to me in the news shop. I started to feel this, what I would now call electromagnetic field. I didn't know about that then. And I started to feel um, uh, my feet being pulled to the ground like magnets. And I started to feel an energy going through me that way and out that way, out the top of my head and into the top of my head, through my feet into the ground. And then um, I heard this, not voice, but very strong thought form out of nowhere. It said, one, They'll be talking about this in a hundred years. And two, it will be over when you feel the rain. And I'm standing there under, under a cloudless sky. It, it, it was it, uh, just ridiculous. But then my arms go out at 45 degrees like that. I made no conscious decision to do that. 
And this energy, and, and it, they were like that for, well, it must have been the best part of an hour. And I felt nothing until it was over. And then my shoulders and my arms were agony. But anyway, um, this energy just built up and built up and built up. So in the end, I'm kind of shaking. And uh, you know when you, you, you drive a car and um, you can't remember the last two miles or so because your subconscious has been driving the car, thank goodness. Well, it was like that. I, I, would, I would have missing kind of conscious time and then I would come back to consciousness uh, while all this is going on. And I noticed at one of those points where I became conscious again, that over in the distant mountains, there was a light gray mist. And the light gray mist became a dark gray mist. And I thought, it's raining over those mountains. And, you know, if, if what then happened had happened in a movie, you would say, that is ludicrous. Who put this in the script? Because what happened is these, uh, th this rain uh, storm came out of the mountains towards me ridiculously quickly. And in the end, I'm standing there like that. Um, and this wall of stair-rod rain, I've described it as like pulling curtains across the sky, was coming towards me. By the time it hit me, uh, you know, I I'm like absolutely shaking with this energy. Soon as it hit me, absolutely soaked me in an instant, um, the energy stopped. Now my shoulders are raggedy. Now my legs are like Bambi uh, trying to stand up. And my life at that time was transformed. I tell you what it was like, and right in the middle of what I'm going to describe is when the Wogan show happened, which is why I said things that, you know, I look back now and, and you know, I wouldn't say now, because I was in the midst of a total transformation of my consciousness, my awareness, my perceptions. Uh, I've described it like this. You're going along with your life, and life seems a certain way, but you're, you're, you're operating within a bubble of perception, a bubble of information, and then someone comes along out of nowhere, doesn't give you any warning, and pops the bubble. Now, vast amounts of information, concepts, things of all kinds are pouring into your conscious and subconscious mind that weren't before, and you're trying to process them. And for three months, I couldn't process them, and right in the middle of that was the Wogan show. It, I, I've described it like this. You press too many keys on the computer at once, uh, which is giving the computer too much information to process, computer freezes. That was me for three months. After three months, after the Wogan show and the mass historic levels of ridicule that I went through in the, in the aftermath of that, it was like the computer unfroze. Now I'm, now I'm David Icke again, if you like, and people were coming up to me and saying, Dave, I thought you'd gone mad. You're the same bloke I've always known. I seemed it on the surface, but I wasn't because now, I could see things and how things connected that I couldn't see before. And so from that point on, the accuracy of my work, if I say it myself, because it is true, it's been phenomenal in terms of the way it's played out in events, including current events. Um, before that, which you rightly bring up, um, I, I was actually in um, this, this massive transition. If you'd have asked me my name in that period, of three months, I'd have probably had to check. <laughs> really? 
if if I would have asked your name during that three months, you would have had to check. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you know I what I mean. know what you're saying. So, you so know, I think, this, David. But, I, I, but, but then everything kind of came into clarity, massive clarity, clarity sure. like I'd never seen before. And that's what's played out ever since. David, when you went to Peru uh, uh, at that time, were you uh, recreationally or were you uh, just yourself using any drugs, man-made or natural or no? No, 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 none. So are you somebody that has uh, experience with drugs or no? Once. Um, And that was in um, 2003 in the Brazilian rainforest. Um, I was asked to go and uh, speak to a group who were taking something called ayahuasca, which is a psychoactive um, potion, which is um, used as part of some religions in in, uh, Brazil. So I thought, yeah, I'll go and and do that. And I I could have taken this stuff, um, and it's the only time I ever have. I've felt need before or since. I took it two nights, over two nights. Uh, I could have taken it four times. What I got out of the two nights was absolutely phenomenal, especially the second one. Um, when you take this stuff, it tastes a bit like licorice. Um, for about an hour, you know, it, it's kind of metabolizing, and then it hits you. And what happens is um, when you close your eyes, you're in a completely different state of awareness. When you open your eyes, you, you are back in this awareness. The thing is, your eyes don't want to stay uh, open. And for five hours, um, this um, very powerful voice, um, took a female form, as powerful and loud as mine is now, gave me chapter and verse on the illusory nature of what we call physical reality. How the physical is an illusion and what this really is, is a holographic um, illusion of physicality and so much else that I was told. And it was all about the nature of reality itself. And to understand uh, world events, you have to understand the basics of uh, reality because this cult knows that. It wants to keep it from us. And the secret societies and the satanic groups are there to isolate that knowledge about reality in their hands and to keep it from us. So I came back to Britain after that. And I started, uh, because I had amazing as it may sound, I had instant recall of the whole five hours of information. Um, And so I came back and I started um, investigating mainstream science and all the different disciplines to see if this stuff would stand up. And what I found was that much of mainstream science, not least um, quantum physics, already knows that physicality is an illusion. But because the different disciplines of what we call mainstream science don't talk to each other, indeed often compete with each other, it means that um, the dots have not been connected to show that actually this absolutely stands up. What's happened since I started writing about this in the um, early 2000s is that more and more uh, mainstream scientists uh, are starting to come out and say the same. I was writing that this reality is a holographic, digital holograms. That's what this physicality is. And then you had a guy like Rich Terrill, who's a computer scientist at NASA. And he came out a few years ago and said, he'd concluded that our reality is a digital hologram. It's what I'd said years before in my books. And what we're seeing now 
is more and more mainstream scientists who are uh, coming out and saying, actually, physicality is holographic. Um, and this was given to me in this ayahuasca experience back in, what, 2003. Uh, but apart from that, I have not taken any drugs. Don't feel the need to. Are you somebody that believes in uh, psychics? And uh, would you consider yourself a pretty superstitious guy? No, not superstitious at all. That's all, you know, all this superstition and all this stuff. It's dead simple. It's dead simple. I just explain how, how reality works. If you said to people, when you look through your eyes, can you see everything that exists in the space you're looking at? What they're going to say? They're going to say yes, but they can't. What we call the world is a ridiculously narrow band of frequency called visible light and the electromagnetic spectrum. And according to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum and visible light, which is the only world reality that we can see, is a smear of the electromagnetic spectrum. Uh, mainstream science says that that spectrum, never mind visible light, represents about naught point naught naught five percent of what exists in the universe and some say it's a bit more but not much so we don't live in a world we live in a band of frequency which our body brain uh, uh, if you like decoding system can decode into a reality a holographic um, uh, reality and therefore infinity exists outside this narrow band of frequency but we can't see it just as when you're tuned to a, a radio station or a television station you only experience that frequency that station that uh, reality what happens when you switch the zapper is you switch to a different if you like frequency and you get a different reality instantly we call them different channels now these um, different realities um, operate in different bands of frequency. And just like radio frequencies, etc., these bands of frequency, as long as they're not too close on, on the dial to each other when you get interference, they can share the same space without being um, affecting um, all the others and each one not even being aware that all the others exist. Um, so we are, um, we are basically basically experiencing a holographic television channel, which we call the world. And outside of that are all the other uh, realities of infinite reality. And only when these realities get close on the dial do you get interference. And one of those areas of interference, if you like, is, um, is what we call ghosts and uh, paranormal things and such like when you get two radio stations close on the dial you get interference one is the dominant one you can hear and the other one is you can't hear it but you can you, you uh, well but you can hear it it's interfering well in a visual form that's what a ghost is it's operating on a level of frequency that's not spot on the one that we are experiencing thus it doesn't look solid like it would if it was on our frequency but it's interfering enough that you can see it, especially if you're sensitive. And this is sensitive in terms of um, frequencies. So this is why someone will stand in a room with someone and they'll say, there's a ghost over there. And the other person will say, don't be a, don't be a prat. I can't see anything. 
be different sensitivities. Now, what psychics are doing, and you, when we talk about psychics and mediums, you've got to make sure you, you've got a good one because there's lots of people out there claiming to be it aren't. But you get a good one. How do you um, know the difference? They can, they can expand their um, frequency range that they can connect with no. beyond the normal range of human frequency. And they can tap in to uh, frequencies that are outside of the normal uh, human range. And you can pick up information from outside there that's not available here. Um, and uh, I've, um, I've had experiences um, over the years of um, phenomenal uh, amounts of information that you can pick up if you, if you um, expand your awareness beyond the, the tiny band of frequency that we have. When I started out after that big Wogan experience and, and, the, and, the, and the, not really the Wogan experience, that's just part of it, the, you know, blow your mind experience. When I started out then uncovering things, what would happen is that I would um, look at information received and then I would come to conclusions. Very soon after that, as my consciousness expanded, and, and I'm not sitting here cross-legged uh, on a mountain like a guru, you know, I'm the guru, my consciousness expanded. Anybody can do it. It's just that this cult don't want us to do it, and that's why we're constantly pressured to uh, perceive the world only through the five senses, which means only through this narrow band of frequency called physical light. But what happened then, very soon, is I would come to conclusions about what was happening, and then the five sense name, date, people information would follow that to confirm that the conclusion was correct. And that's been going on now for decades. Uh, and that's, that's, that's how the books have become so accurate, that, that, um, that process. Fair enough. So, David, a couple things. I like what you said. You said some of the things you said during that three-month period, you've changed. So, son of God and the world's going to be ending though that three-month period, that few months. Has your position also changed with the reptoid hypothesis? Oh, no, no. That hasn't it, changed. Th th this is the point, mate, that I made earlier. Um, pre-1992, um, pre say pre-mid-1991, actually, um, you go before that, and I'm in the middle of this transformation. Sure. And when I was talking about the, the, the Son of God, by the way, what I was referring to is that we are all... Um, aspects of one infinite awareness that has not changed one iota we are points of attention within the same infinite state of awareness and and that individuality that we experience is our individual point of attention but we are all part of the same whole we're all if you like droplets um, in the same ocean and we are the droplet and we are the um ocean so on that basis if you want to use this symbolic language we're all sons and daughters of the whole the infinite whole so that has not changed just putting it in a different way that's not uh, uh, changed at all um and uh but there was a different in the context if you look, if you look pre-91 or pre-mid-91 that's one thing you look post pre-mid-91 to present day and you'll see a completely different uh, um uh, outcome in terms of information that's proved to be correct. But, but, the, but to put it in, uh, to manage uh, the expectations here is you did say even Jesus was criticized. So the comparison wasn't just being a son of God. At that time, you made the reference in a completely different way. Just for full yeah, but you, yeah, but you see, the, the thing is that 
Um, these concepts that poured into my conscious mind, which I'm trying to process and understand, you know, you can, you can confuse uh, son of God, uh, we're all sons of God in that process. And then eventually it becomes clear what it meant. So, you know, it's, it's, it was a period of, of great confusion as it, as it would be, you know, what I describe it like this, what was happening in my mind in that period, um, 19, um, early 91 until about, uh, till about April, April, no, about May. Um, sorry. Yeah, no, May 91, uh, um, January 91, February 91, when I went to uh, Peru to about May 91, that was the period that all that took place. Uh, and, and, um, it's like, if you, if you, um, burst a dam and that's what happened, you know, my consciousness opened up to another level and you burst a dam and the water cascades out and it's going all over the place. And then it finds balance in the new situation. And that, that's a process that I was going through for about three months, but let's not forget before we do that, that was the best part of 30 years ago and in the intervening period since then the accuracy of my books uh in predicting current events has been uh well i mean what, what, why are vast numbers of people looking at my work now because of that uh, david so again last time so anything posi uh, any position changed on the reptoid hypothesis anything uh, on that change or it's the same belief that you had then that you have today yeah that but I mean, that that didn't that didn't come in that pre uh 91 How period. How did you come up with that conclusion where you said that there's no red and the sheeple and all of that? How, how did that process come about? Quite simply, the same process that everything else came about. Um, the synchronicity of my life led me to the information. So I'm minding my own business, traveling around America, talking to next to nobody at the time. Um, in, uh, I don't know, towards the late 90s, um, what would it be? Maybe 96, that kind of period, 96, uh, 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 97, more 96. And um, I'm going from place to place, talking each night. Some of them were a long way apart. And in a period of 15 days, I met 12 different people in 12 different places who told me the same stories about this old reptilian phenomenon. I'll go into it now at length. It's all in my books in enormous detail. And so if you are a proper journalist and you're after the truth and not a statue and a round of applause, then you look at that and you say, hold on a minute. This is a lot of people telling me the same thing. And this is, this is what my life has been like since that mind blowing experience. This is just, how it is synchronicity a new subject will come into my life and suddenly information on it's coming from all angles wherever i bloody go um, and then uh, you um you start to expand this you get more and more information and i have this process when i'm when i'm researching of, of what i call the back burner so when something comes up and, and when, when when this old reptilian thing comes up i mean you know you don't just say oh right it's the reptilians because this lady told me, you don't do that. You put it on the back burner 
and you see uh, if more information is going to come and more information is going to come and it did over and over over years for instance uh, a man who's only just uh, died actually at the age of 98 a man in south africa he was a uh, high zulu shaman and the official historian of the zulu nation a man called Credo mutwa um and i met him and he didn't know anything about what i was writing about and um he started talking about something called the chitahuri and i said what's the chitahuri and he told me all the stories and legends of zulu law about a reptilian race that's manipulating human society outside of human visual acuity for reasons i've explained and then i you you start looking at um other um cultures other belief systems other legends in various different cultures and you start to realize there is a massive common theme among all of them and that is whether you call it reptilian or not it doesn't really matter there is um a common theme which is there is a force which is outside human sight is not human which is manipulating human society via a network within human society and if you go into the inner inner core of the most exclusive secret societies why are they secret societies to keep secrets from the rest of the population you find that this um non-human force is actually what these people are worshiping you go back a long period and you see the ancients were worshiping the gods and people say oh yeah well they were they were just ancient and primitive this cult is doing the same now and they're the same gods so if you look at christianity that it talks about um the um, the demons it talks about the fallen angels uh you look at the zulu culture they talk about the chitahuri you look at the gnostic belief system they talk about the archons uh in in islam they have the the concept of the jinn um and and wherever you go i talk to people uh, from uh, the aboriginal culture in um, in australia they have the same uh belief that there's a non-human force manipulating human society so you have this common common theme um and it's uh something that is becoming uh more and more um perceived by more and more people because it starts to make sense of the world and where the world's being uh, taken so this is where it all uh, kind of comes from and people say well why don't we see them well why can't you see other realities outside of visible light because that's where these uh, um, this force operates from and what it needs is a force within this visible light frequency through which it can manipulate human society and that's this this cult and all these uh, this network of secret societies and um, uh, which are manipulating world events. I don't think there's any question that these secret societies uh, uh, exist, and we're going to talk about that. But okay. do you actually believe reptiles are disguised? They can disguise as human beings. Like, do you really believe that concept? Because we know there's powerful people, but the concept of they're reptiles and they're disguised as human beings and they're able to move up in power. Do you actually believe that concept? Well, you see, I mentioned earlier that. Um, to understand what is going on we have to have some understanding of the nature of reality because if we don't we will quite understandably 
dismiss things that are happening, but we can't perceive how they could happen. Example, you believe the world is actually solid. Our bodies are solid. That wall is solid and not a holographic, illusory, physical. Then if the world is solid, then people moving between different, um, if you like, shapes, what they call shape-shifting, is impossible. Utterly impossible. Of course it is. You can't, you can't shape-shift solidity. It's ridiculous. But if you believe the world is solid, immediately you hear some of the things that I say, um, they're immediately dismissed. Not possible. Well, hold on. If you look at computers and the technological Wi-Fi world we live in now, what you're looking at is a technological reality that mimics real reality, our experienced reality, and how we create it. So you've got a, um, a Wi-Fi field. Okay, where is it? Where's the Wi-Fi field? Point it out to me. Well, I can't because you can't see it, right? Now, if you didn't know about computers and I said to you, there is a field of information um, that we're living in like a sea, people would say, well, where is it? I can't see it. Therefore, it can't exist. But because people know about computers, you, um, you say, you know, you know, there's a field of information and, and you, you can decode. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know about that. Wi-Fi, that's right. And the only difference between that's rubbish, mate, and oh, yeah, I know about that is knowledge. Knowledge of um, what you are experiencing and what you're talking about in terms of reality. So what does the computer do? You've got a Wi-Fi field full of information in the form of radiation, basically. And the computer decodes it onto the screen. And um, you say to people, and, and it decodes it onto the screen, by the way, on the basis of the information you put in to decode onto the screen what you choose to decode. You say to people, tell me about the internet. And they say, oh, yeah, well, it's pictures and graphics and text and all that stuff and websites. Yes, it is but only on the screen. On the screen is the only place the internet exists in that form. Everywhere else, it's electronic codes and Wi-Fi. We decode reality in exactly the same way. The five senses take waveform information, think Wi-Fi, turns it into electrical information, feeds it to the brain, and there are different parts of the brain that specialize in decoding the different senses. And the brain decodes that electrical information into holographic digital information. And that is what we experience as the world around us. It's not around us, it's inside us, all of us. Just as the internet is inside this computer, and we look at it uh, from afar. So say you're tasting something. You don't taste it with the tongue. You taste it via the tongue, which sends electrical information representing the taste frequency to the brain, which decodes it, and then it becomes yummy or that's horrible. There are 
Um, now, pain relief uh, techniques used in hospitals, where they stop the message going from the point of pain to the brain, because if they stop that, the brain cannot decode the message and you can't feel pain. Take um, the hearing senses. What's passing between us and what passes between all of us when we're communicating are not words. They're wave field, frequency fields generated by the vocal cords. And these are picked up by the ears that turn them into electrical information, feed it to the brain, and only when the brain decodes it do you hear words. I'll give you an example. Does a falling tree make a noise? Well, only if you hear it. And what I mean by that is, if a tree falls, what it's doing, it's an electromagnetic field, and it is causing a disturbance in the wider electromagnetic field as it moves. If there's no one there to decode that disturbance, then a falling tree doesn't make a noise. If there is someone there, they pick up that disturbance with the ears, that electromagnetic disturbance, and they decode it into the sound of a tree falling. It's all an illusion. And this is what they don't want us to know because they know it is and they're manipulating the illusion to control human beings. But to do that, they've got to keep from us that it is an illusion. So why, all the world event stuff that I have exposed over the years has always been alongside the nature of reality uh, stuff. So the human body is a field of information and we are decoding these fields. Think of Wi-Fi field. Think of the body as a Wi-Fi field of information. We decode the body into holographic reality. The body actually only exists in our, in, in, in our decoded uh, senses uh, in the form that we see it in its other form it's an electromagnetic field of information so it's not solid it's holographic and it's malleable so i'm looking at someone and they have a human electromagnetic field of information so what i'm decoding into holographic reality in my head is a human being these um cult bloodlines that I expose have a dual field, a hybrid field. These are what we're talking about here. They're the biblical Nephilim. That's what we're talking about. The sons of God who interbred with the daughters of men, you know, that's what we're talking about, but the Bible calls the Nephilim. So there is a dominant field in the dual field. Say it's human, it is most of the time. So I will look at someone, if anyone looks at them, and they decode the human field. And what of this is a human. But when there's a shift from the human field to the non-human field, the observer then starts um, decoding the non-human field. And to the observer, who can see apparent solidity, someone has moved from a solid body of human to a solid body that's not human and back again. But that's not what's happened because there is no solidity. It's decoding uh, into a holographic form, decoding into another holographic form, decoding into the original holographic form. And this is what we call shape-shifting. Uh, but if you don't know that, then of course you're going to dismiss the very idea as impossible if you think the world is solid. It's not. The cult knows it. It doesn't want us to know it. Do you ever personally witness any shape-shifting? I've seen eyes change, yes. I've seen eyes change to reptilian, yes. But the, the point is that I'm not a kamikaze pilot. I'm just interested in the truth. And I will pursue the truth, no matter what ridicule and stuff. I mean, it's meaningless to me. Right. So, I'm after the truth. 
so, but I have talked to so many people all around the world who've experienced this. You then go back and you look at historical records and, and uh, cultural records, and they're describing the same phenomenon. What, so, what is, your, what is your, uh, your, your format? Like for me, uh, uh, I was a stockbroker. So you know what it is when you're like, you cannot make any kind of predictions. So I guarantee you this thing can give you 24%. The word guarantee cannot be used as a financial advisor, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what, what is your form of looking at something and saying shape shifting has to have happened, even though I've never witnessed it. I saw ice shifting, but I've never seen it. Do you, your brain, I'm just curious to know how you process it. Do you go to say, I give it 70% credibility that it exists. I give it 20% or do you say no shape shifting 100%? And if yes, based on what? 100%. Um, 100% after 30 years of accumulating the information. Well, you've never it seen it though. You've never degree. personally seen it. I have seen eyes change from human to reptilian. That's a shape shift. And I've talked to endless people in every right. other culture. Now here's the point. Look at the information. What am I not saying here? What am I not saying? I'm not saying that anyone must believe it. I don't give a damn if they believe it or not. That's their right. That's their choice. That's their uniqueness. What I'm saying is here is a vast body of information that I put together and a vast amount in my earlier books on this subject. Make of it what you will. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you've got to believe it. I, I that has to be your choice based on what you make of the information. That's all it is. It's a very persuasive thing to say because, you know, uh, when you say, I'm not saying you have to believe it, that is a form of getting me to want to believe it more because it's not being forced. It's by choice. I, I got to tell you, David, you're one of the best storytellers I've met in my life. You're an incredible storyteller with the details. I mean, I was in Peru with you, just so you know that. I was in that cabin. I saw the mountain. I was there with you. I don't know a lot of people that tell stories as good as you do, and I'm in the world of storytelling. Have you ever uh, read the story that was published in the weird times of August of 1929 called The Shadow Kingdom? You ever read that story? No. You've never read it? No. Have you ever seen the movie uh, of Five Million Years to Earth, a 50s movie? You've never seen it? No. Okay. Okay, interesting. Okay, that's good. So let's set that part aside. So let's go away from... Uh, our uh, reptilian shape-shifting uh, friends, and let's go to the next topic. David, right. would you mind if I give you a conspiracy theory and in less than five seconds, you say there is some truth to it, there is no truth to it, or I don't care, like I don't, it's not something I'm interested in. Is that fair with you? That's let's, fair. Let's just play a game here. Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, Tupac is still alive. Say again? Tupac is still alive. I don't get that. That's okay. He's a rapper. So that means you don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, there you go. No problem. Elvis is still alive. I doubt it. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. JFK assassination was an inside job. Oh, 100%. All right, next. Obama he's, he's, hit, he's hit in the forehead by a bullet shot from behind him. What did it do? U-turns. <laughs> <laughs> Obama birther that Trump presented saying Obama wasn't born in U.S., he was born in Kenya. Uh, absolutely um, open to that, uh, that that's correct. But again, um, that's, uh, that's okay. a past, past story and um, I've left that behind. Flat Earth theory. The Earth is holographic. And um, if you um, make, um, if you look at holograms um, that we buy in the shops, how are they made? They're made by creating a flat 
interference pattern of literally uh, frequencies on a, on a print. And then those frequencies, which represent the object being uh, photographed, uh, are then um, hit by a laser, which turns that flat frequency interference pattern representation of the object, it turns it into the object in three dimensions, right? So because the world is holographic, the foundation of everything is kind of flat, but in its holographic uh, state, it's abs uh, is absolutely not flat. Um, so I don't believe the Earth is flat in the way that we experience it at all. But like all holograms, they are projections from a, a flat surface. And what, what we're seeing in science now is more, more and more scientists coming out and saying they do believe that the basis of the universe is actually flat and, and it becomes a holographic three-dimensional representation when that's exactly what I've been saying for years. How about the uh, Bigfoot? There's a lot of Bigfoot sightings in Washington State. Um, there's a lot of things um, in the world that um, we don't know about. And, uh, uh, you know, that could be one of them. It, it could not. But, you know, in the end, what you're looking at is data. And what I mean by that is not theories. You're looking at data. So if you meet one person and they say, oh, I've seen a Bigfoot. Oh, okay, that's interesting. But it goes no further. But yeah. when you've got a hundred people or, 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 or whatever seeing a, a, a Bigfoot, as they claim, in the same area, now you've got the data. There's a, a, a bloody good chance something's going on here. So that's how you work. Next one. It's going to get better, by the way. Next one oh, okay. is Denver, Denver International Airport went $2 billion over budget. Rumor has it Illuminati built an underground headquarters there. I, I would say that was 100%. When, when I, um, when I came, accurate. yeah, when I came into um, America for the first time to talk on these subjects, it was 1997, something like that. No, 96. The first airport I flew into to get off a plane was Denver. Um, and I went to a conference um, in Denver where some of the people were talking about Denver Airport. That was their specialization. And I found Denver Airport a very uh, a weird place with its gargoyles and its Freemasonic uh, presentations and stuff that you get. And these weird bloody, uh, murals of horrible things. What's that doing in an airport? So I do think that um, there's uh, something underneath uh, Denver Airport. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's so many underground bases in America, what they call dumb, deep underground military bases. The places is uh, they're scattered all over America, these things. And that's where the real deal goes on. Um, and the technology that is developed there is vastly ahead of wh whatever we see in the public arena. Volcano in Yellowstone, Wyoming, that if it erupts, it could wipe out the entire U.S. No idea. No, no, no. Okay, no idea. Uh, UFO, do aliens exist? 100%. Look at the night sky. Look at the night sky. What? Are you having a laugh? Um, oh, no, you, you know, you know um, uh, that um, compared with the perceived size, size of the universe, uh, planet Earth is the equivalent of a billionth of a pinhead. <laughs> right? Yeah, that sounds good to me. We're on a billionth of a pinhead and life as we know it only exists there. And, um, elsewhere? Oh, no, no, you're mad. Oh, of course it exists. Um, it's just a case of what is it, whether it's benevolent or malevolent, and it'll be a mixture of all of them. Um, and um, 
uh, the idea that, that we're, we're, we're alone is, well, I mean, they call me mad. It's military and the government experimenting and researching aliens at Area 51. Well, not just Area 51, in general. And what's happened uh, in the last, what, six, seven, eight months is um, it's been appearing on things like the Tucker Carlson show on Fox. Uh, I think Tucker Carlson, I, I can't stand Fox, by the way. I can't stand CNN. I can't stand MSNBC or any of them. I can't stand the BBC. But... Um, as a, uh, a, a journalist who's willing to ask questions the others aren't and make points the others aren't, then um, they've got a lot of respect for Tucker Carlson. And uh, he's had people on his show um, talking about the fact that the, uh, and they've had to admit it, that the Pentagon um, uh, has um, radar pictures uh, taken from, by its pilots of craft that are doing things that no technology that we know in the human the visual arena uh, could possibly do um, and of course it's all classified and stuff so um, they um, there's there's two levels of, of knowledge you see this cult um, operates um, if I just explain this it might make a lot of sense to people not least of current events the world is manipulated by a web and think of a web a spider's web and at the center of the web you've got the spider that spider is the non-human force Around the spider, in the strands immediately around the spider, um, are the most exclusive secret societies. And people in them you probably never have heard of. They're the people really running this cult from the inner, inner sanctum. As you come out from the spider in the web, you're now starting to hit the secret societies we do know about, but we don't know what goes on there. But they'd like us not to. Um, like the Freemasons, and I'm talking the inner core. Um, and the Knights of Malta, the Knights Templar, the inner core of the Jesuit order, all this stuff. And as you come out, eventually you meet what I call the cusp organizations, which sit between the hidden and the seen. These are the Council on Foreign Relations in America, the uh, Trilateral Commission uh, created by the Rockefellers and Zbigniew Brzezinski, Jimmy Carter's former national security advisor, and uh, the Bilderberg Group created in Europe at the Bilderberg Hotel. These are cusp organizations that sit between the hidden and the scene. And what happens is the agenda for the world comes out from the spider through the hidden, through the cusp organizations and into the society, uh, uh, the uh, arena that we see, the public arena. And there we find governments, government agencies, the banking system, all the Silicon Valley corporations and so on, media ownership. And in this level of the um, public arena, it seems to be a series of completely unconnected organizations, agencies, whatever. If you go deep enough into them, and it's all compartmentalized, most people in these organizations haven't got a clue that what they're being controlled and directed to and what the agenda is. They just get on with their lives, get their pay and go home to their families. But at the inner core of these organizations, they are actually answering to the spider ultimately and are making decisions that um, reflect that agenda of the spider. And in this way, things are happening uh, in a coordinated way that appear to be random. And this um, can be seen very clearly in my experience with the, um, the Brian Rose London Real interview um, about the uh, coronavirus, which was um, streamed live and YouTube took it down the moment, virtually the moment, just a few minutes after it finished. 
And then, you, then Vimeo took it down. And then Facebook took it down. Um, it's because if you go deep enough into these organizations, they are controlled by the same force. Therefore, move as one unit. So LinkedIn then trashed and deleted Brian Rose's account for doing that interview. Because LinkedIn will ultimately go deep enough, be controlled by the same force that controls all the others. This is how, how, um, how, how it works. And so... The um, each country, and it can be explained very simply this way: the way this cooperates and manipulates globally, and could coordinate this coronavirus thing that we're looking at now, current events, is uh, the same as McDonald's. Really, McDonald's were, or, or, or any other transnational corporation. I'm just picking McDonald's out of the air. They have a headquarters, say in America, and in each country they have their subsidiaries, and the subsidiaries operate in line and to the blueprint of the headquarters and in the same way this cult has a central point and it has its sub operation networks in each country and their job is to manipulate that country's politics business banking media in line with the centrally dictated agenda and that's why uh, as this um, virus hysteria came out of china basically all countries have reacted the same because they're, they're they're working to the same uh, script. Uh, and this is, this is how um, the, the whole thing works. Uh, okay, so here's the next one here. I'm curious to know if you've done any kind of research on this one. In Alaska, they have a uh, high-frequency uh, active auroral research program. You know this. Looks yep. like I don't know where this is going. Antennas that are experimenting with weapons to be able to control people's minds. Oh, 100%. I've done enormous research um, on, on this. And, and the one in Alaska, which is the, the, the famous or infamous one, um, which came to public light, there are others like that um, around the world now. And what they do is they fire a frequency into the ionosphere and they make the ionosphere in the upper atmosphere vibrate in sympathy with that um, frequency. And then it diverts the frequency now because of the vibration at a far higher power that it left the facility back to Earth. And many things can be done with this, including manipulating the weather and creating uh, uh, weather extremes, uh, among uh, many other things. Uh, and again, to come back to the nature of reality is to understand how these things work, why 5G is so destructive, why Wi-Fi is so destructive. Um, and so capable of transmitting thoughts and perceptions into the human mind. Because what, what, what are these technologically generated electromagnetic fields? They're frequencies. They're electromagnetic frequencies. The brain um, processes information electrically. What do neurons do? They make electrical connections. The brain transmits to the rest of the body, the cellular structure of the body, electrically and electromagnetically. So um, anything external that interferes with the balance of um, that electromagnetic communication uh, in the body and the processing of information electrically in the brain is going to affect people negatively, psychologically, and in terms of um, health. And uh, we are now living in an absolute sea soup 
of technologically generated electromagnetic frequencies, which have gone on to a phenomenal new level with this rollout uh, this year, they're still going on, um, of, uh, of 5G. Elon Musk, don't start me, by the way. I'd love to debate this guy live if you could ever arrange it. He's putting up um, satellites at low altitude. It's happening all the time, every week, to fire 5G at the Earth. So there's no way you can get away from it, even if you want to go and live in a forest. And there's a reason for this. I explain it in the books why they're doing it. Astronomers are now complaining, even with a relatively few of the thousands he wants up there, he wants 42,000 up there. He's already got permission from the uh, cult-owned um, Federal Communications Commission for um, uh, tens of thousands. He wants 42,000. Even with the few that he's put up so far, astronomers are saying, we can't see the night sky anymore. We say, it's, it's, it's all must satellites. And there's a company called, I think it's OneWeb out of Britain doing the same. There's others doing the same. Now, here's a question. How many people among the nearly 8 billion, getting on for 8 billion people on planet Earth, have been asked if they want that? Nobody. Or been given a vote to decide if they want that? Nobody. Musk just does it because Musk is an asset like Gates and all the others um, of this um, agenda. That's why he gets permission from the FCC. Of course, if the FCC is controlled by the same force that controls Musk, he's going to get permission for what he wants. Of course he is. And that's his, this is how it happens. So the, the challenge with, uh, uh, when I did the research on why YouTube, YouTube chose to take the video down, I don't know why LinkedIn did what they did, by the way. That, that whole thing, that scandal makes no sense to me. But I yeah. don't know their reasoning behind it. But I do know why YouTube and uh, Facebook and uh, uh, Vimeo did. YouTube says linking 5G to coronavirus was the biggest challenge. And I, I'd like to kind of transition now. Uh, we can go now all 5G coronavirus. Let's talk about those topics now right. since you brought up uh, Elon Musk. But we got a lot of, we, now, now the viewer kind of has an idea where you stand with different uh, 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 conspiracy theories that people may have and they can judge for themselves where we can go from here. I just want to make sure the viewer knows that before we go to the next part. The challenge that YouTube had with the interview that you did with Brian Rose, is saying that 5G is the reason for coronavirus. And I want to say this to you. I had a guest on, General Spaulding from the Air Force. Okay, Robert Spaulding. He wrote a book called Stealth War. He is not a fan of China. He went and lived in China with his wife and kids to learn about their culture, how it's done, almost like an inside job to report back to U.S., and then years later, he found out what they were all about, went back again. Then eventually he was hired to work directly with the White House as an a, a advisor, as a director. And uh, one time he gave a briefing on what China was really doing. And that got uh, Mitch McConnell upset and Biden upset. Now, you know, both of them have a link to China, Biden with his son. And then you got Mitch McConnell and his wife. His wife's uh, father owns the largest construction company in China. So one is a Republican, one's a Democrat. So Robert Spaulding is not somebody that is uh, a, a, a conspiracy researcher, nor is he a pushover, nor is he somebody that bows down to the people of power. This is a very reasonable man. When he says what he says, he has no motives behind it. I called him. We spoke a few days ago. I said, hey, uh, General Spaulding, I'm hearing a lot of stuff that's uh, being said that uh, – there is a 5G is the reason why coronavirus is spreading. And I kind of 
gave him the timeline. I said, what do you think about the fact that in 1916, the emergence of radio waves, 1918, Spanish flu outbreak, you know, 2003, 3G was introduced to the world, 2003, SARS outbreak, 2009, uh, 4G was introduced to the world, 2009, spine flu, uh, swine flu, and now 2009, 2020, 5G is introduced to the world, 2019, 2020, coronavirus. And I said, how much credibility do you give to this? This is a man with a lot of credibility, what he says people listen to. He said zero. That's a conspiracy theory. It has nothing to do with that. And uh, uh, those who are talking about it shouldn't be talking about it. Now, that's one part. I'm going to turn it over. Let me say the other part. I'll turn it let over. Let me just make this one point very quickly. I don't care who he is. He shouldn't be telling people what they can and cannot talk about. No, and not, secondly, he didn't say can and cannot talk about it. It's not what he said. He, and secondly, um, he say I'm that. not saying that the, the, the uh, so-called coronavirus is, um, can be put down to, to 5G. I'm saying it's, it's, it's something that has to be taken into the mix uh, for reasons we'll come to. That's a big difference. There's a big difference between saying that because you know this on Guardian where Dr. Uh, Cohen got up and uh, Cowan Cohen claiming 5G wireless networks are... Uh, 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 behind uh, uh, the pandemic. This is not Guardian. This is a completely different man that got up and he was presenting. Yeah. And it was shared by Kerry Hilson. You've seen this before. It's not, not the first time I'm telling you this. It's Michael Gove uh, uh, or Gov who said that conspiracy yeah. theorists of yeah. five Bra 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 Brain of Britain is. Brain of Britain, Britain, Michael Gove. Yeah. In his own mind. Yeah. So, so again, th th that part to say that, that's the part that's getting people to be a little bit. Uh, where they're now tearing down the towers and you never want to use a platform like this to get people to take uh, uh, measures to different levels where people are getting hurt and they're breaking laws. I, and I fully understand that part. My question to you is when yes. you say, go ahead. Go ahead. where does the credibility, where does your credibility come to say something like that where the viewer can say, this makes sense? Credibility. Right. Well, um, let me just tell you, tell you a story. The um, London Real interview, which was two and a half hours long, and I covered an enormous amount of it, and 5G uh, of things, and 5G was a, a relatively small part of it, um, was taken down. And the idea was it was taken down because um, I said 5G had to be bring, brought into the mix of um, current events. Then uh, my son Jamie did an interview with an American doctor uh, called Andrew Kaufman, operates out of um, New York State who's done a tremendous amount of research into this um, whole coronavirus situation. And they had a chat. And uh, YouTube took it down after it got 300,000 hits. They didn't mention 5G. The common denominator between my video interview being taken down and Andrew Kaufman's interview being taken down, the thing they both said is there is no evidence that's been scientifically produced that COVID-19 exists. That is what they want to shut down, even more than the 5G connection. You don't believe that, though. You don't believe that coronavirus doesn't exist, though. Of course. Well, I'll just say to you, produce the scientific evidence that it does. Um, what I've been doing, because I'm a journalist, not a mainstream media um, repeater of the official story, is um, I've been devouring information from 
um, doctors, virologists, specialists in places like Germany, Italy, um, Austria, America, who will never be allowed to get onto the mainstream media. Of course, they're challenging and demolishing the official narrative that's not allowed because this is not about uh, a free open debate. It's about selling a lie. Let me tell you a story that comes from these virologists. And, and in this case, the, what, as, the way I'm starting from the research of um, Andrew Kaufman, a doctor of medicine, uh, who's uh, now operates uh, specialized in psychiatry in New York State. When people started getting ill in China, the Chinese authorities, and by the way, China is an absolute major global center of this cult, as is America, Israel, Britain, but China's massive. This cult has no, has no borders. It operates across borders. So what they did is they, they decided pretty much immediately but the reason people were getting ill, and they only did, you know, checked and tested a tiny number of the first, like, nearly 200 that got ill, that it was a, a bacteria or a virus, and they very quickly settled on a virus. And what they did, and, you know, a virus is not what we're told it is either. Anyway, um, they took fluid from the lungs of um, a small number of these people that got ill. And um, they uh, broke down its genetic code, the, the genetic code of genetic material that was in the lung. And uh, they decided that um, the cause of the problem was a virus. The problem is they never, and it has never, been isolated to show that that's what is causing this. There was a man in 1890. He was a... Um, a bacteriologist and uh, physician called uh, Robert Koch. And he developed four what became known as Koch postulates, which have been the gold standard for mainstream medicine ever since, of how you prove that an agent is causing a disease. Number one, all the people that get the, the disease have to have the same symptoms. Number two, you have to isolate what you say is the causing agent from all other genetic material. So there's no contamination. You've only got what you say is causing it. You then inject this into a, a living host and the living host has to get the disease you say this stuff is causing. And then you have to take material from that living host, put it into another living host and they have to get the same disease. At that point with the Koch postulates, you've got pretty uh, damning evidence that that is causing that. None of those things, not one of those postulates, has been um, done in relation to COVID-19. What they've got is a genetic material from the lungs of those people. And that genetic material contains a lot of uh, stuff that is actually in vast numbers of people. It's not causing them illness, not making them sick, but it's part of their genetic makeup. And if you test for the genetic material, not COVID-19, they've never isolated it, then you're going to get a lot of positive tests, not for some virus, but for genetic material that's in that code that vast numbers of people have. So what did they do then? The Chinese then started um, deciding who had the virus. They decided without isolating it and proving it. 
and who didn't. And uh, so they did this, first of all, on symptoms. And what are the symptoms of coronavirus? Uh, Flu-like symptoms, yes, which have a potential large range of causes. Not now. Now, if you had flu-like symptoms in China in that period, you had coronavirus and you had to be isolated and there was this lockdown. They then start testing. So let's look at the test. The test they're using for coronavirus, they're not, they've never isolated it, they're testing for this genetic material. This um, test is called the RT-PCR test. It was invented by uh, a man called Kerry Mullis in um, 1984, and he said this test should not be used to diagnose infectious disease. The man who invented the test, and what are they doing? They're saying we are um, testing for an infectious disease. The other thing the test can't do, openly admitted, it can't test how much, uh, quote, virus you have. And as one um, American uh, medical scientist uh, said in a, uh, a, a statement that I have on the website, you have to have, in his words, massive amounts of this stuff to be sick. But the test can't say how much you have. So it's irrelevant. They then start moving out and they prepare us for it. Oh, yes. Oh, that Chinese virus, it's coming. Oh, yeah. And it starts to move out. Now, I know this from uh, many, many different sources, and some of them, quite a number of them now, more and more of the time, in America and in Britain uh, and other places have gone public on this from the medical uh, profession. They were told that flu like symptoms must now be designated, diagnosed COVID-19. And as I say, flu-like symptoms can come from a long list of possible causes, including the flu, of which there's a lot around this time of year. So they start diagnosing um, COVID-19 cases on symptoms, and the numbers start to go up. All say it could be a pandemic. Eventually, the World Health Organization, which is owned by Bill Gates, the second biggest funder only to the um, United States government of the World Health Organization, Mr. Vaccine, wants to vaccine the world. The, the front man for the World Health Organization, a guy called Tedros, in other words, um, Gates' mouthpiece, he says, yes, it's a pandemic. Okay. So then they start introducing this test, this PCR test, and they start testing, but they're not testing for COVID-19. It's never been isolated. They're testing for the genetic material. And lots of people have it, so lots of people test positive. Problem is that while they're doing this, they don't have enough dead people. So they can't produce the fact that this is a deadly virus from the number of people who are dying. So what has happened, and um, I'll, give you, I'll give you an amazing piece of, 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 of supporting evidence here in a sec. Um, the medical profession were told by the hierarchy, think cult subdivisions in each country, that um, if someone tests, this is happening all over, by the way, country after country, if someone tests positive for COVID-19 and it, it, anyone now goes in a hospital or is treated, you, you fall down the bloody stairs and go to hospital, they test you for COVID-19, the genetic material, not COVID-19. They've never isolated. If someone has tested positive for COVID-19, then if they die, then 
they have to that has to go on the death certificate COVID-19 and so you having people and loved ones and families have complained about this as well as some doctors some doctors have come out and say we've, we've been told to, to put COVID-19 on the death certificate when they haven't died from it some loved ones have said that you know their loved one died of cancer but COVID-19 went on the death certificate and if you notice this is a common theme you see it in the media all the time. The same phrase. You see it from politicians, same phrase. And these medical advisors are all connected to Gates, by the way. Yours in America around Trump and ours in Britain around um, Boris Johnson. The phrase is, this number of people have died, um, or this person has died, after testing positive for COVID-19. Not died of it tested positive for COVID-19. But then they go on the death certificate and they become then, in the official figures, died of COVID-19. Now, if you look at the massive um, health crisis in um, Italy, it was based in um, Lombardy. Lombardy in northern Italy is infamous for having diabolical uh, polluted air, just like China and Wuhan. And therefore, they have enormous amounts of lung disease there. And um, I'll, I'll tell you how bad it is for your health in Lombardy. This is the, the Milan's in Lombardy. They, um, the, last, the last figures I saw for a year is that a, a few hundred less than 100,000 people died in Lombardy in that year. And the next region down for most deaths was Lazio, 57,000. That's how bad Lombardy is. So... You have all this lung disease and pneumonia, and they've been redesignating it COVID-19 when they were going to die from uh, it, uh, anyway from another cause. And the figures go up, and the figures go up, and the figures go up. And I want to read you this story. America, this is a, a guy um, who is a state senator in Minnesota called Doctor, he's Doctor himself, um, Scott Jensen. And he um, was interviewed on Fox News and he said this, right now, Medicare has determined that if you have a COVID-19 admission to the hospital, you'll get paid $13,000. And a lot of this is, uh, some of this anyway, is um, passed on to the doctor. If that COVID-19 patient goes on a ventilator, the hospital gets $39,000. If they diagnose a pneumonia patient as non-COVID-19, they get $4,600. And so there is a financial incentive, which if you add it all up, is absolutely fantastic, to keep putting COVID-19 on the death certificate over and above the instruction from organizations like the CDC, the um, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that you, you should, um, if, um, if, if you suspect in any way that there's COVID-19 involved, though you, you can't say how much uh, of it, even if it existed, because the test won't tell you that, you put COVID-19 on the death certificate. So these death numbers are absolutely ridiculous, unsustainable and unsupportable. But what have they done? Think of the Hunger Games Society I mentioned earlier, that structure. They have destroyed 
the independent livelihood through this lockdown of billions of people, destroyed businesses, destroyed employment. Uh, lots of people are going to lose their homes. The banks owned by the cult are going to start um, soon as they can uh, repossessing because people can't pay their mortgage anymore. And it's going to be, it is already economic mayhem. Um, with um, This um, is absolutely the Hunger Games Society. Long bread lines form outside of food banks as America struggles to cope with COVID-19 fallout. At least 10,000 cars line up in an orderly fashion in San Antonio all full of hungry, increasingly desperate people. Thousands already arrived the night before just to get the chance to eat. We just can't feed this many, the CEO of the local food bank said um, uh, about uh, Texans that had uh, descended upon um, the place. It's a scene playing out across the country. 1,300 cars swamped the drive through Greater Pittsburgh food bank. Um, and, and this is exactly what's been in my books for years and years and years that they were going to um, create some kind of major incident that led to the demolition of independent livelihoods so this Hunger Games society would be created in a very short time. And that's what we're, we're looking at. And you see, if they released a virus, if they released, say, a, a bioweapon, some people claim, out of this Wuhan lab, then you lose control of it. You don't know what it's going to do. It's got to, it's got, it's got to kill a lot of the people you don't want to kill. And, and people would be dead in the streets. But if you invent a virus and you control the perception of it by controlling the way that it is administered and registered in death certificates, you can decide when the numbers of perceived dead go up and when it starts to fall. And then, and watch for this, mate, after a respite, you can then have a second and third wave, and those waves will come just before the vaccine is ready, the gates is funded, and we should ask ourselves what will be in that vaccine. So, uh, David, you covered 50 items. So I have to go back. I have to go back and okay. uh, unpack some of these things here because there were a lot of statements were made. Num and let me go through, and then you'll have your time to respond, just like I gave it to you. One, you said coronavirus, COVID-19 is not real. That's one. Okay. So then from there, you said that the CDC and the World Health Organization, who the number two largest funder is Bill Gates after U.S., depending if U.S. pulls out, then it's a different story. And you know Trump and Tedros are having issues. And we know Tedros is very good friends with uh, uh, China. Uh, that's something that everybody knows, the pictures, the relationship. Things change when they were part of it. Everyone knows that none of that is private. But if if this was something that they wanted to spread to make it real, he would have called it a pandemic sooner rather than later because the criticism CDC gets and the World Health Organization is getting from Trump today is for not saying it earlier that is a pandemic, rather later, which is a big criticism that Trump's given him. So let's put that aside. Now, as far as Gates goes with vaccine and his comments about depopulation or reducing population growth that he made to uh, doctor, I think, Gugdahl from CNN back in 2011, February, when they did that interview, fine. Let's just say there's an element of reducing population growth, and we can put some weight behind that because, yes, Gates is 
uh, uh, Mr. Pandemic 2015. He gave a talk, talk at TED Talk, and he's projecting and predicting TED Talk. Fine, we can give some of that uh, uh, credibility to that. And then, but then you're taking some of the stories and you're linking it together to give it more credibility to connecting the dots. That loses a little bit of credibility. Here's why. Let me say why. This is why. If they're getting paid $39,000, the hospitals, if a person dies from COVID-19 versus the number you gave of $4,900. If they die, if they're, if they're diagnosed. If they have the ventilator. If they're diagnosed, they get $39,000 and they don't, they get $4,900 from the senator you talked about, who's also a doctor. Okay, let's just say that the, that's the case. And let's just say in Italy, all of those people that died, you know, and, and they're putting it in that, hey, he died from coronavirus, but he had pneumonia or other issues. Fine. This is the part that I don't give that part of the story a lot of credibility is because if all of these nurses and doctors and people who are on the inside that are helping out, and if it's all being fabricated and it's non-existent, 100% someone's going to be a whistleblower. 100% someone's going to come out. We have them. We have them. That's the point. You don't so we, we should never, never underestimate the power within an organization of being told what to do. Not everybody. Not, I agree no, not everybody. That's why we have whistleblowers. I agree with you. Go onto my website and look at the doctors that um, have come out and said, we are being told to put coronavirus on um, the uh, death certificate when they've not died from it. There's some, there are some whistleblowers, and there will be more because people are That's sick of That's the part that will gain credibility because yeah. that, that's the part that's be, not happening. There will be more, but there are, there are already enough to show that it's... But, but you cannot say coronavirus is not real. I mean, you saw the news... I, that I, I, I've, I've, I've just said it. What I say to you is show me the scientific evidence that COVID-19 exists, that it's been isolated as a, as, as a particular agent. Are you asking the question if it's theory. natural or man-made? Is that what you're asking? Are you asking... No, 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 no. no. Simply saying they are testing or not. for a genetic code. Yeah, not a virus. I, I mean, I've I've got statements here from um, uh, medical professionals and uh, uh, people like a, a medical scientist in America who calls the test a Mickey Mouse test that's not testing for COVID nineteen. Sure. And, and that 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 was said uh, uh, some uh, two or three weeks ago. Now more and more people are saying, well, it's not testing for COVID-19. I'll tell you another story. Uh, and, then, and you can go onto my website and... Um, we'll put the uh, link below, by the way. We'll put the link below. Everybody can go see it. Davidite.com, yeah. We'll go to the website and you'll see um, a, 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 um, a video by a New York intensive care doctor. Um, and he's named uh, there. Um, and he did this video in desperation because he was saying we were told to um, get ready to treat an infectious disease called COVID-19. He says on the video, that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing an infectious disease, COVID-19. What we're seeing, he said, um, in the worst of the patients because the vast majority have no symptoms. Why? Because there's no virus. What he's seeing, he said, are lungs he's never seen before. And the only way the lungs could have got into that state, in his 
analogies is from someone in an aircraft at 30,000 feet, which went into depressurization and the oxygen uh, sucked away. Or another analogy of is um, someone was plonked on the top of Everest without any acclimatization and by definition, no oxygen. That's the state of their lungs. Their lungs are suffering from um, oxygen deprivation. I'm not, you know, saying, oh, yeah, this, that, and the other, but I will say this. And this is admitted, by the way, by the telecommunications industry, at 60 gigahertz, 5G millimeter waves interact with oxygen molecules in a way that affects the oxygen. An offshoot of that at 60 gigahertz is that the human body and blood cannot absorb oxygen. And if you're hit by 60 gigahertz, those are the lungs that you would have. So it's about looking at the evidence and seeing how the dots connect and not getting anything off the table. And so I we should- I don't mind doing that. I don't mind doing that, but to say it from a level of certainty, David, you, put, you scare a lot of people when you say it from a level of certainty. I understand there being a level of doubt because think about it. You know who Lee Wen Liang is, right? You know Lee uh, Wen Liang, he, he, Lee Wen Liang, He's the gentleman that was the doctor, the 37-year-old doctor that was a whistleblower in China at Wuhan who came out and said, this virus could spread and this is not a regular virus and China didn't give it any attention. And this doctor died a couple weeks later, but he is saying it's a real virus. It's something that could really spread. And then yesterday, news breaks out. I don't know if you saw the uh, press conference with President Trump where another source came out yesterday. Yahoo shared it. Fox shared it. Multiple different platforms around the world have shared it. Sources believe coronavirus originated in Wuhan lab as part of China's effort to compete with the U.S. COVID-19 originated in Wuhan laboratory not as a bioweapon, but as a part of China's effort to demonstrate that its effort to identify and combat viruses are equal to or greater than the capabilities of United States. Multiple sources who have been briefed on the details of early actions of China's government and seen relevant materials told by Fox News. And then obviously there was an agent who uh, uh, went out and, you know, once he went out and he shared it with people, sources believe that the initial transmission of the virus was bad to human and that patient zero, patient zero who worked at the laboratory, then went into the population in Wuhan and then it spread. And one thing I will give credibility to is China knows they can't fight with America or other nations purely just as military, but they want to fight it based on bio-warfare, chemical, computer and virus dissemination, environmental destruction, drug trafficking. That is their game. Their game is maybe more manipulation. I may give more credence to that, but to say coronavirus is not real, even the people that don't respect the Chinese government who are doctors in China who died or were killed said this is a real thing. That's the part where sometimes when I hear that it makes when the audience and everybody calls me saying, Pat, what do you think about what this David Icke said? Do you agree with them? I said, there's some stuff that he says true, but some of it is sensationalized and it scares the hell out of people. No, it's not sensationalized at all. Um, you, you sensationalize stuff if you, uh, if you overcook the, the, the pot. What I'm looking at is evidence that's come from virologists and come from doctors and come from uh, specialists um, around the world who are saying this is not um, a lethal uh, virus uh, that, that they are uh, claiming it is and they've not isolated it thus they cannot prove it exists so um, if, if something's coming out 
through government, then I don't care what they say. I've spent 30 years investigating governments and um, they are invariably lying to us and want us to believe something because it's taking us off the scent. And in terms of, um, you know, this is a lethal virus and, and, and it could spread. Well, show me that, well, a number of things. Show me the, the number of bodies, dead bodies, that relate to a lethal virus. You can't because they're not there. Why are they having to fix the figures? Provable fact, just talk to the medical professions who've had the guts to come out to increase the numbers if it's a lethal virus. Why would they do that? Why would they have to do that? Why would they have to give incentives for people to, in hospitals, thousands and thousands of dollars incentives to um, diagnose COVID-19 if it was a lethal virus and it was all true? Why would they? And, and, and if it is a, a, a see that, that Wuhan, um, uh, bio um, lab is a level four that's the highest and if it's a level four it's dealing in absolutely lethal bioweapons okay so something was released from there where's all the dead people then you know it's a you've got to look at the facts statements from governments but to say does it add up the numbers do not add up. Tucker Carlson um, is now, I saw him in the last couple of days, now starting to get it, slowly but surely. The others will never get it. And he started to say, hold on a minute, how lethal is this virus? Because the numbers are coming down and down and down in terms of the percentage of people who are claimed to have died from it, even with all the manipulation. went in different places. And we're now, we're now um, uh, closing in on uh, uh, equivalent of, of flu. And, and, and this is uh, what, something else I want to say about how this has been done. And, and maybe someone could explain this to me, why they've actually had to do this. The, one of the key um, tools that this cult uses, and it's through its gophers, to manipulate events is computer models. It's computer models that told us that well by now, years ago, the North Pole would have disappeared in the summer. Uh, it hasn't. And these projections that um, have caused these lockdowns, which has caused this economic Armageddon, have been done from computer models. And they've been done um, through um, an organization in London called Imperial College not least a guy called Professor Neil Ferguson. Ferguson and Imperial College are funded or have funding, large funding, from Bill Gates. Then you have this other organization in America called the Johns Hopkins University Medical Operation, which is uh, uh, organizing all the, assimilating all the, the numbers, which the media are constantly uh, um, uh, quoting. Something else I, got, I, I, I could talk about at length and their connections not least to people like Gates. Um, and this Ferguson, because you see, when it, when it came to Britain, the prime minister, like Trump has pushed back on it to, to an extent, the prime minister, um, Boris Johnson, clearly did not feel that what has happened needed to happen. 
um, he was asked if the professional uh, soccer league should stop. And he said, oh, no need for that. It was the soccer league itself that shut the football down in this country, not Johnson. Johnson said there's no need to close the schools. It's all, you know, we'll deal with it. And then Professor Neil Ferguson came out with computer model projections. Wait for this. That up to half a million British people could die from this virus. Immediately, of course, you're saying to a prime minister, to be fair, this is how many could die. Our projections say so. And you'll be responsible if you don't lock down the country. So immediately there was a big backtrack and Britain was locked down. And we have like America, economic Armageddon and human Armageddon. Immediately the lockdown was in place. Ferguson and Imperial College start reeling back and saying, oh, no, probably less than 20,000. But the half a million has got the lockdown. And computer models are perfect because what comes out as a projection is dictated by what goes in as data. He was the man, by the way, who said that between uh, one and two million plus people in America could die from this virus. Same guy. And um, there's a scam going on here. There's a scam of creating a massive manufactured problem that devastates and destroys the world economy and hurls billions of people into the lower reaches of this Hunger Games society. That's what's going on. And they don't need a virus for that. They just need the perception of one. So, so again, so you just went to two different places, uh, 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 David. First, you said virus is not real. Then you went to Tucker Carlson is getting it because he's saying the fact that it's not as infectious as others are saying it is. Those are two different conversations. No, no, no they're not. Let me no, they're not. No, they're absolutely are not. One is it, a lower or not score. No, no, no. Wait a minute. It's about perception. Um, no, those are two different statements. I have to hold you accountable to that, though, David. You said this. Please, please, they're not two different, different statements. Just let me explain for a second. It's about perception. My perception is, from my research over ever since this started, is there is no virus. Tucker Carlson's perception is that there is, and his first movement away from the official story is that the the infections are uh, and the death rate of the virus he perceives to be real is nothing like they're telling uh, us therefore he's starting to question the official story while still believing there is a virus I think he's doing a great I, going much further than that. So he has a different perception of me in, in terms of the virus. Fair enough. You what he's doing is moving away from the official narrative and starting to question it. And if he goes on questioning it, he'll end up, well, I am. I, I, I don't know but about that. So. He'll never say so. I don't know about that part because about the non-existent, that's a completely different conversation. Well, that's all right. Don't believe it then, mate. Again, as I've said all the way long in this chat, I'm not trying to get people to believe anything. I'm saying here's some information, make of it what you will. And by the way, let us not forget this. Um, while this guy in a one-bedroom flat in England 
has done one interview, uh, well, more than one interview, uh, interviews on, on this subject. The mainstream media, 24-7, in every single country, is banging out, unquestioned, the official story that's given to them by the authorities, unquestioned, just banging it out, repeaters, propagandists, and yet someone having a different view is somehow um, outrageous. Uh, and yeah. look, at, look at YouTube and Vimeo and Facebook. One guy in this little flat in England does an interview with Brian Rose on London Real, and it was like someone shouted fire. One guy compared with the global media putting out the official story. Why? Because truth is far more powerful and lethal than lies. I, I, uh, I, I don't, uh, uh, we're on the same page with the media. I don't think you're going to get any kind of dispute there because I agree with that. We both know only a handful of people own uh, a majority of the media worldwide and we need more free, free platforms like YouTube. But you also know if you're married to a woman and you got a wife, you can say I love you a million times and you say that one word. Once you say the wrong thing to your wife or your spouse, they're going to remember that one thing. Not a thousand times you said I love you. Kids have this issue with their parents. I will never forget when I was seven years old, you said this, but I took care of you the other 11 years, but that one time. So you said a lot of things that are things to really uh, think about, but a couple things you say kind of uh, uh, takes it to a complete different direction. So let me go a different route. Now, sp still on the topic of 5G, I'm curious to know what you think about this year. The CEO of 5G, uh, uh, Huawei, stepped down yesterday. I don't know if you heard or not. The CEO of Huawei... He stepped down yesterday, Ren, and a new guy was replaced named Jin Pu, which no one knows a lot about him. And a couple of things happened here. This has to do a little bit with you. British intelligence is now saying that UK needs to reconsider their relationship with Huawei. And when they said this, British, you're from UK, stricter control of high tech and other industries. Huawei sent an open letter yesterday, an open letter yesterday, which you ought to read. Yeah, I saw that not to change its partnership on 5G with Huawei or else it will cause them harm. Now, you know, uh, the, the, this is similar happening to France as well. The difference is Britain, you know, UK had kind of agreed to want to do this. You know, I, I've never been too comfortable with Huawei. I've never trusted Huawei. I've never seen the, the, the intentions there. And, and my thoughts are different than yours where you think 5G is uh, helping coronavirus spread, which I'm not there at all. I'm more from the standpoint of China wants to be able to control and their motivation was to control and gather data. And one of the ways to do it is to do this. What made it very interesting is the following. While they're negotiating with France on these uh, uh, ventilators, the medical equipment that China's making for France, China has said, if you want the uh, medical equipment, you have to be willing to install Huawei 5G in France and France is now backing out of it. So what are some of your thoughts with what's going on with Huawei and uh, 5G? Not from coronavirus standpoint, just purely from Huawei 5G standpoint. Well, first of all, I, I, I keep coming back to this, but it's important. Um, I'm not saying that um, 5G is causing the coronavirus because I'm saying that there's no evidence scientifically that there is one. There's coronavirus, there's a big family of viruses, but I mean COVID-19. What I'm saying is 
5G is incredibly destructive to the human body and the human mind uh, because of its frequency, its frequency power. By the way, just a very quick one. Um, the American law enforcement and the Israeli law enforcement, and it'll be the same around the world uh, when it gets there, use 5G frequencies to disperse crowds of protesters because what they do, they have these trucks and they fire this uh, millimeter wave, 5G frequency range um, frequency, and the skin is an antenna. This is well known by science. The skin is an antenna, it decodes frequencies. And what the skin does uh, with these um, 5G frequencies from these military law enforcement trucks is they decode this frequency they bang out uh, to the, into a feeling that their skin is on fire. This, this is all in military documents, it's not speculation. And the, the people scatter because they want to get away from the, the, the frequency so their skin doesn't feel like it's on fire. So, so this, that's one frequency, part of the frequency band of 5G. The idea, um, when the skin and the, the uh, sweat ducts, uh, scientists have pointed out, of um, antenna that interact with um, 5G frequencies, that that's not going to be damaging is insane. And one of the things that uh, 5G does is undermine the immune system um, uh, and, and therefore uh, will open you up to a lot of other things. But um, what I'm saying about 5G and this alleged virus is that this extreme lung uh, condition that some people uh, seem to be getting, um, that is equivalent to um, oxygen deficit, um, this 60 gigahertz frequency of the 5G range would produce that. That's what I'm saying. My main point is not about 5G. It's about the fact that the virus death rate and case rate is being manipulated by A, the test, and B, the, the, um, the diagnosis of COVID-19 for everything that moves. So, um, you know, but what is happening? I talked about this, this smart grid um, where everything is connected to a smart web, all your domestic appliances, your smart meters, eventually the human brain uh, uh, connected to AI, it's all connected to this grid called the smart grid. And uh, it's what I've been calling for decades, the technological sub-reality they, they were in the process of creating. Now they're calling it the smart grid. And we're having smart cities and all this stuff going on. Now for smart, this smart grid to function, it needs at least 5G levels of communicative power. And for the smart grid to encompass the entire planet, there has to be 5G on every inch of the planet. That's why the Musks and people are putting tens of thousands of satellites up, firing 5G at the Earth to cover the entirety of the Earth, because it's part of this um, technological sub-reality system to be run by the technocrats controlling the Hunger Games um, society and you know how many people around the world are sitting at home because their business is considered non-essential and people who go out are picked up by the police and fined sometimes even jailed for being out of their homes at the wrong time or in the wrong place but what is considered essential uh, business and work is banging out worldwide, and the evidence for this is overwhelming, 
from people who said, oh, no, no, another five 5G uh, towers are going up around my house. Somebody says it in, in, in this uh, country, in that country, in that country. It's overwhelming. And, and I, I know because it's happening around me, is that while people are under lockdown, house arrest, and there's no possibility, at least unless people um, uh, challenge authority, of protest, 5G is being rapidly rolled out all over the Western world and beyond. By the end of this, they will have this 5G communicative uh, system with more and more satellites going up, getting closer and closer to what they want to run this smart grid, which will include controlling the human brain via AI connection. So whether it's Huawei or some other company, in the end, as you go back, you'll find they're controlled by the same force ultimately, which is driving this whole smart grid. And what you get, I said that the cult has no borders, but it wants to maintain an illusion of borders and an illusion of um, competition to maintain the illusion that there is no force that's behind all of it. So this, this, these things between China and America and all these things, yes, on one level they're happening, but get to the cult level of both countries, they're both on the same team, driving the world in the same direction. And that same team, are you going back to the whole New World Order and Illuminati, all of that when you say the same team? Yeah. Yeah, they're all they're they're all they're all names for different aspects of the same web. Yes, and and, and different aspects of of um, and and specializations within um, the web. Yes, they're all connected. So, um, so who you would know. you say is the most powerful family right now in the world? Any names today that you would say are the most powerful? If you're saying there's a you know somebody behind closed doors that's moving everything like a puppeteer, who are the most powerful people in the world? Well, if you look through the history of this, the, the Rothschilds have been massively, massively at the heart of this. So have the Rockefellers. But if you go deep, deep, deep into the web to those secret societies around the spider, they won't be on public display. Mate. They won't be on public display. Uh, and therefore, they're very difficult to identify. But you can identify their outcomes, their agendas as they play out. And, and because there is an agenda... Uh, that can be accessed if you work your ass off, then um, that's why my books have been so accurate because you, you expose the agenda, you predict the future. The whole, the whole point of my life is to alert enough people of what the, the agenda is and where it's going for there to be an intervention to stop it. That's the whole point, the whole point of what I do. I mean, you know, I, I could do other things with my life, but I get up at four or five o'clock in the morning i work all day till i go to bed and i do that seven days a week because i don't i mean i'm just coming up now uh, you mentioned earlier april the 29th to my 68th birthday you know another two years i'll be 70. this is not about me and it's not for me what i do i don't want to see my children and my grandchildren living in a global Orwellian, fascistic, technocratic, controlled, non-democratic world. I don't want anyone else's kids and grandkids to be living in that. That's why I do what I do. And uh, what's in it for me? Oh, he makes lots of money. Oh, really? So why do I live in a one-bedroom bloody flat and have done since uh, 2001? 
I'm not a material person. I, I want to see the world being free from this manipulation and this control, which is getting more incessant by the day. And that's what I do, what I do. And I'm saying, here's some, here's some information, make of it what you will. Uh, because um, I'm not trying to convince anybody. Well, that's a mugs game. People have to come to their own conclusions and not be forced and uh, manipulated into doing so. Uh, David, have you ever read the book Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, I, I, a long time ago. What yeah. Do you think about it? Well, um, I think that, um, well, L. Ron Hubbard, of course, was in uh, naval intelligence, as I recall. Um, I think the whole Scientology thing is, 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 is an aspect of this cult. Um, I, and and um, same, with, um, same with some of these other religions like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and stuff. And because all these groups are compartmentalized, the vast majority of people in them will have no idea that, um, that they're part of this web. But the core will, and that's how it works. Who do you trust? Who do you trust today? Who does David Icke trust today? I trust, I, I, I trust my own instincts, my own intuition, um, based on uh, factual support. Um, I trust my family, because they are, uh, have shown themselves to be extraordinarily loyal and genuine. And I trust other people who have shown themselves over a period of time, a considerable period of time, to be trustworthy and to care about what they're doing and to uh, be committed to it. And uh, other than that, my jury's out until, <laughs> yeah. until, I'm t till I, t t till it's shown to me otherwise. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know what part was impressive? I'm going to go to the last party and we'll wrap up is okay. the fact that uh, you and your first wife, Linda, were married for 29 years. And there was a scene of you guys talking and you're still friends, even though it didn't work out, you're still friends and your relationship. That said a lot about if somebody's been with you for 29 years and she's still, even after that. Well, uh, she, we were together married for 29 years, but uh, we're still together. She's a, a great friend uh, uh, and uh, support, uh, lives just down the road. Very interesting, by the way. 10-minute walk away. All these years later, I, I met Linda for the first time um, at, at a dance hall when I was a professional footballer, a really young one. And that would have been in um, 1970, 1971, uh, we met. We married within a matter of literally uh, a few months with no money. Um, and um, she's still my mate. So, you know, relationships may change their nature, but love never dies. That's a whole different topic, but I just wanted to bring that up. That was impressive. David, I'm going to give you names and tell me the first word that comes to your mind. It's called speed round. I'll give you a name. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Okay. Uh, Tedros Anhanom. I don't get that one. Tedros. He is the director of a World Health Organization. Oh, Tedros. Um, Gates' mouth. Bill Gates. Psychopath. Elon Musk. Psychopath. President Trump. Someone who um, doesn't really understand uh, what's going on around him, has certain instincts um, uh, which are pushed back by those around him who are uh, controlling events and owned 100% by Israel. Boris Johnson. Bewildered allowed himself to be bounced into this 
by the dark suits. Uh, Winston Churchill. Not what he appeared to be. Xi Jinping. Who's that? Xi Jinping, the leader of China. Oh, the, the present guy? Yes. Uh, a cult operative to his DNA. Anthony Fauci. Gates' mouthpiece. Gates' mouthpiece. Andrew Kaufman. Genuine man trying to do genuine things. Princess Diana. Died because of what she knew. Alex Jones. Someone who's um, done his best for a long time to alert a lot of people. Don't agree with everything he says. Don't agree with everything he does. But um, he's made a, uh, a contribution to a lot of people waking up. Queen Elizabeth. Bloodline of the cult. And um, uh, the idea that we have a head of state chosen by bloodline in 2020 is hysterically ludicrous. John Robinson. Who's that? Okay, it's fine. John Lear. Read a lot of his stuff a long time ago. Uh, I think he knows a lot about um, hidden technology and all that side of things. Um, but it was uh, back in the 90s I read his stuff. Gary Allen. Jerry Allen? Gary, Gary Allen. Gary Allen. Oh, Gary Allen. Oh, yeah. I read his books a long time ago. And um, I think he had a lot of uh, correct things to say. Richard Hoagland. Um, Richard Hoagland. Yes, yes. Um, he's the, um, the space NASA man. Um, I've not heard about Richard for a long time and what's happened to him. But, um, yeah, he's got some interesting things to say. Don't agree with all of them. Jim Mars. Lovely guy. Um, a good old boy who um, saw that the world was not like um, he was told it was and uh, did a lot of great work from the Kennedy assassination onwards. Stephen Greer. Wouldn't trust, trust him to tell me the time in a room full of clocks. Wow. Bob Hope. If people knew the real Bob Hope, they would be staggered. Involved in mind control programs and um, um, abuse of women. Kissinger. One of the most evil people ever to have drawn breath in my lifetime on this planet. David Icke, um, thank <laughs> you for uh, being you and telling us uh, your story and spending nearly three hours with us. Uh, some of the topics a little bit uncomfortable, but you were willing to talk about it, and I appreciate you doing that. And uh, we're going to put the links below of everybody that can go to your website for the stories that you were talking about. If you could kindly send us the specific links, we'll send them there. And again, appreciate you for taking time to come in and being a guest on Valuetainment. It's been a real pleasure, mate. It's been a real uh, hoot. Thank you very much. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid-David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.